0: this is a libriVox recording all libriVox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org silas marner the weaver of raveloe by george eliot chapter 6 the conversation which was at a high pitch of animation when silas approached the door of the rainbow had, as usual, been slow and intermittent when the company first assembled. The pipes began to be puffed in a silence which had an air of severity. The more important customers, who drank spirits and sat nearest the fire, staring at each other as if a bet were depending on the first man who winked, while the beer-drinkers, chiefly men in fustian jackets and smock-frocks, kept their eyelids down and rubbed their hands across their mouths, as if their draughts of beer were a funereal duty attended with embarrassing sadness. At last Mr. Snell, the landlord, a man of a neutral disposition, accustomed to stand aloof from human differences as those of beings who were all alike in need of liquor, broke silence by saying in a doubtful tone to his cousin the butcher, "'Some folks'd say that was a fine beast ye drove in yesterday, Bob.' The butcher, a jolly, smiling, red-haired man, was not disposed to answer rashly. He gave a few puffs before he spat and replied, "'And they wouldn't be fur wrong, John.' After this feeble, delusive thaw, the silence set in as severely as before. "'Was it a red durham?' said the farrier, taking up the thread of discourse, after the lapse of a few minutes. The farrier looked at the landlord, and the landlord looked at the butcher, as the person who must take the responsibility of answering. "'Red it was,' said the butcher, in his good-humoured husky trouble, "'and a durham it was.' "'Then you needn't tell me who you bought it of,' said the farrier, looking round with some triumph. "'I know who it is as got the red durhams o' this countryside, and she'd a white star on her brow I'll bet a penny.' The farrier leaned forward with his hands on his knees as he put this question, and his eyes twinkled knowingly. "'Well, yes, she might,' said the butcher, slowly considering that he was giving a decided affirmative. "'I don't say contrary.' "'I knew that very well,' said the farrier, throwing himself backward again and speaking defiantly. "'If I don't know Mr. Lammeter's cows, I should like to know who does, that's all. And as for the cow you've bought, Bargain or no bargain, I've been at the drenching of her. Contradict me who will. The farrier looked fierce, and the mild butcher's conversational spirit was roused a little. I'm not for contradicting no man, he said. I'm for peace and quietness. Some are for cutting long ribs. I'm for cutting em short myself, but I don't quarrel with them. All I say is, it's a lovely carcass, and anybody as was reasonable, it'd bring tears into their eyes to look at it. "'Well, it's the cow as I drenched, whatever it is,' pursued the farrier, angrily, "'and it was Mr. Lammeter's cow, else you told a lie when you said it was a red durham.' "'I tell no lies,' said the butcher, with the same mild huskiness as before, "'and I contradict none, not if a man was to swear himself black. "'He's no meat o' mine, nor none of my bargains. "'All I say is, it's a lovely carcass, and what I say I'll stick to, but I'll quarrel with no man.' "'No,' said the farrier, with bitter sarcasm, looking at the company generally, "'and perhaps you aren't pig-headed, and perhaps you didn't say the cow was a red Durham, and perhaps you didn't say she'd got a star on her brow. Stick to that, now you're at it.' "'Come, come,' said the landlord, "'let the cow alone. The truth lies atween you. You're both right and both wrong, as I always say. And as for the cows being Mr. Lammeter's, I say nothing to that, but this I say, as the rainbow's the rainbow.' "'And for the matter o' that, if the talk is to be o' the Lammeters, you know the most upon that head, eh, Mr. Macy? You remember when first Mr. Lammeter's father come into these parts, and took the warrens?' Mr. Macy, tailor and parish clerk, the latter of which functions rheumatism had of late obliged him to share with a small-featured young man who sat opposite him, held his white head on one side, and twirled his thumbs with an air of complacency, slightly seasoned with criticism.' He smiled pityingly, in answer to the landlord's appeal, and said, "'Aye, aye, I know, I know, but I let other folks talk. I've laid by now, and give up to the young'uns. Ask them as has been to school at Tarley. They've learned pronouncing. That's come up since my day.' "'If you're pointing at me, Mr. Macy,' said the deputy clerk, with an air of anxious propriety, "'I'm no wise a man to speak out of my place, as the psalm says.' "'I know what's right, nor only so, but also practice what I know.' "'Well, then, I wish you'd keep hold of the tune when it's set for you. "'If you're for practicing, I wish you'd practice that,' said a large, jocose-looking man, an excellent wheelwright in his weekday capacity, but on Sundays leader of the choir. He winked, as he spoke, at two of the company, who were known officially as the bassoon and the key-bugle, in the confidence that he was expressing the sense of the musical profession in Raveloe. Mr. Tookie, the deputy clerk, who shared the unpopularity common to deputies, turned very red, but replied, with careful moderation, "'Mr. Winthrop, if you'll bring me any proof as I'm in the wrong, I'm not the man to say I won't alter. But there's people set up their own ears for a standard, and expect the whole choir to follow em. There may be two opinions, I hope.' "'Aye, aye,' said Mr. Macy, who felt very well satisfied with this attack on youthful presumption, "'you're right there, Tookie. There's allays two pinions. There's the pinion a man has of himself, and there's the pinion other folks have on him. There'd be two opinions about a cracked bell, if the bell could hear itself.' "'Well, Mr. Macy,' said poor Tookie, serious amidst the general laughter, "'I undertook to partially fill up the office of parish clerk by Mr. Crackenthorpe's desire,' "'whenever your infirmities should make you unfitting, "'and it's one of the rights thereof to sing in the choir. "'Else why have you done the same yourself?' "'Ah, but the old gentleman and you are two folks,' said Ben Winthrop. "'The old gentleman's got a gift. "'Why, the squire used to invite him to take a glass, "'only to hear him sing the Red Rovier. "'Didn't he, Mr. Macy? "'It's a natural gift. "'There's my little lad Aaron. "'He's got a gift. "'He can sing a tune off straight like a throstle.' but as for you, Master Tookie, you'd better stick to your amens. Your voice is well enough when you keep it up in your nose. It's your inside as isn't right made for music. It's no better nor a hollow stock. This kind of unflinching frankness was the most piquant form of joke to the company at the Rainbow, and Ben Winthrop's insult was felt by everybody to have capped Mr. Macy's epigram. I see what it is plain enough said Mr. Tookie, unable to keep cool any longer. There's a conspiracy to turn me out of the choir, as I shouldn't share the Christmas money. That's where it is. But I shall speak to Mr. Crackenthorpe. I'll not be put upon by no man.' "'Nay, nay, Tookie,' said Ben Winthrop. "'We'll pay you your share to keep out of it. That's what we'll do. There's things folks'd pay to be rid of, besides varmint.' "'Come, come,' said the landlord, who felt that paying people for their absence was a principle dangerous to society. A joke's a joke. We're all good friends here, I hope. We must give and take. You're both right, and you're both wrong, as I say. I agree with Mr. Macy here, as there's two opinions, and if mine was asked, I should say they're both right. Tookie's right, and Winthrop's right, and they've only got to split the difference, and make themselves even.' The farrier was puffing his pipe rather fiercely, in some contempt at this trivial discussion. He had no ear for music himself, and never went to church, as being of the medical profession, and likely to be in requisition for delicate cows. But the butcher, having music in his soul, had listened with a divided desire for Tookie's defeat, and for the preservation of the peace. "'To be sure,' he said, following up the landlord's conciliatory view— "'We're fond of our old clerk. It's natural, and him used to be such a singer, "'and got a brother as is known for the first fiddler in the countryside. Eh? "'It's a pity but what Solomon lived in our village, "'and could give us a tune when we liked, eh, Mr. Macy? "'I'd keep him in liver and lights for nothing, that I would.' "'Ay, ay,' said Mr. Macy, in the height of complacency, "'our family's been known for musicianers as far back as anybody can tell.' but them things are dyin' out, as I tell Solomon every time he comes round. There's no voices like what there used to be, and there's nobody remembers what we remember, if it isn't the old crows. "'Ay, you remember when first Mr. Lammeter's father come into these parts, don't you, Mr. Macy?' said the landlord. "'I should think I did,' said the old man, who had now gone through that complimentary process necessary to bring him up to the point of narration, and a fine old gentleman as he— and a fine old gentleman he was, as fine and finer nor the Mr. Lammeter as now is. He came from a bit northerd, so far as I could ever make out, but there's nobody rightly knows about those parts, only it couldn't be far northerd, nor much different from this country, for he brought a fine breed of sheep with him, so there must be pastures there, and everything reasonable.' We heerd tell as he'd sold his own land to come and take the warrens, and that seemed odd for a man as had land of his own to come and rent a farm in a strange place. But they said it was along of his wife's dying, though there's reasons in things as nobody knows on. That's pretty much what I've made out. Yet some folks are so wise, they'll find you fifty reasons straight off, and all the while the real reason's winkin' at em in the corner, and they never see it. Howsomever! It was soon seen as we'd got a new parishner as knowed the rights and customs o' things, and kept a good house, and was well looked on by everybody. And the young man, that's the Mr. Lammeter as now is, for he'd never a sister, soon begun to court Miss Osgood, that's the sister o' the Mr. Osgood as now is, and a fine handsome lass she was. Eh, you can't think, they pretend this young lass is like her, but that's the way with people as don't know what's come afore "'I should know, for I helped the old rector. "'Mr. Drumlow, as was, I helped him marry him.' "'Here Mr. Macy paused. "'He always gave his narrative in installments, "'expecting to be questioned according to precedent. "'Aye, and a particular thing happened, didn't it, Mr. Macy, "'so as you were likely to remember that marriage?' "'said the landlord, in a congratulatory tone.' "'I should think there did a very particular thing,' said Mr. Macy, nodding sideways. "'For Mr. Drumlow, poor old gentleman, I was fond on him, "'though he'd got a bit confused in his head, what with age, "'and with taking a drop of summat warm when the service come of a cold morning. "'And young Mr. Lammeter, he'd have no way but he must be married in January, "'which, to be sure,'s an unreasonable time to be married in, "'for it isn't like a christening or a burying, as you can help.' "'And so, Mr. Drumlow, poor old gentleman, I was fond on him. "'But when he come to put the questions, "'he put them by the rule a contrary like, and he says, "'Wilt thou have this man to thy wedded wife?' says he. "'And then he says, "'Wilt thou have this woman to thy wedded husband?' says he. "'But the particularest thing of all, "'as nobody took any notice on it but me, "'and they answered straight off, "'Yes, like if it had been me saying Amen at the right place, "'without listening to what went before.' "'But you knew what was going on well enough, didn't you, Mr. Macy? "'You were live enough, eh?' said the butcher. "'Lord bless you!' said Mr. Macy, pausing and smiling in pity "'at the impotence of his hearer's imagination. "'Why, I was all of a tremble. "'It was as if I'd been a coat pulled by the two tails, like. "'For I couldn't stop the parson. "'I couldn't take upon me to do that. "'And yet I says to myself, I says, "'Suppose they shouldn't be fast married, "'cause the words are contrary.' "'and my head went working like a mill, "'for I was always uncommon for turning things over "'and seeing all round them. "'And I says to myself, "'It's the meaning or the words, "'as makes folks fast i wedlock. "'For the parson meant right, "'and the bride and bridegroom meant right. "'But then, when I come to think on it, meanin' goes but a little way in most things, "'for you may mean to stick things together, "'and your glue may be bad, "'and then where are you? "'And so I says to my sen, "'It isn't the meanin', it's the glue.' and I was worried as if I'd got three bells to pull at once, when we went into the vestry, and they begun to sign their names. But where's the use of talking? You can't think what goes on in a cute man's inside. "'But you held in for all that, didn't you, Mr. Macy?' said the landlord. "'Aye, I, I held in tight till I was by my sen with Mr. Drumlow, and then I out with everything, but respectful, as I always did. And he made light on it, and he says, "Pooh, pooh, Macy, make yourself easy.' He says, it's neither the meaning nor the words. It's the register, does it, that's the glue. So you see he settled it easy, for parsons and doctors know everything by heart, like, so as they aren't worded with thinking what's the rights and wrongs o' things, as I've been many and many's the time. And sure enough the wedding turned out all right, only poor Mrs. Lammeter, that's Miss Oz good as was, died afore the lasses was growed up, but for prosperity and everything respectable there's no family more looked on." Every one of Mr. Macy's audience had heard this story many times, but it was listened to as if it had been a favourite tune, and at certain points the puffing of the pipes was momentarily suspended, that the listeners might give their whole minds to the expected words. But there was more to come, and Mr. Snell, the landlord, duly put the leading question. "'Why, old Mr. Lammeter had a pretty fortin', didn't they say, when he come into these parts?' "'Well, yes,' said Mr. Macy, "'but I dare say it's as much as this Mr. Lammeter's done to keep it whole, for there was always a talk as nobody could get rich on the warrens, though he holds it cheap, for it's what they call charity-land.' "'Aye, and there's few folks know so well as you how it come to be charity-land, eh, Mr. Macy?' said the butcher. "'How should they?' said the old clerk, with some contempt, "'Why, my grandfather made the groom's livery for that Mr. Cliff, "'as came and built the big stables at the Warrens. "'Why, their stables four times as big as Squire Cass's, "'for he thought o' nothing but hosses and hunting, Cliff didn't. "'A lunnon tailor, some folks said, as had gone mad with cheating. "'For he couldn't ride. Lord bless you, they said he got no more grip on the horse "'than if his legs had been cross-sticks. "'My grandfather heard old Squire Cass say so many and many a time. "'But ride he would.' "'as if old Harry had been a-driving him, "'and he'd a son, a lad o' sixteen, "'and nothing would his father have him do "'but he must ride and ride, "'though the lad was frighted,' they said. "'And it was a common saying, "'as the father wanted to ride the tailor out o' the lad "'and make a gentleman on him. "'Not but what I'm a tailor myself, "'but in respect, as God made me such, "'I'm proud on it, for Macy Taylor's "'been wrote up over our door "'since afore the Queen's heads went out o' the shillings. "'But, Cliff, he was ashamed of being called a tailor, "'and he was sore vexed as his riding was laughed at, "'and nobody o' the gentlefolks hereabout could abide him. "'Howsomever, the poor lad got sickly and died, "'and the father didn't live long after him, "'for he got queerer nor ever, "'and they said he used to go out in the dead of the night "'with a lantern in his hand to the stables, "'and set a lot of lights burning, "'for he got as he couldn't sleep, "'and there he'd stand, cracking his whip "'and looking at his hosses, "'and they said it was a mercy as the stables "'didn't get burnt down with the poor dumb creatures in them, but at last he died raving, and they found as he'd left all his property, Warrens and all, to a London charity, and that's how the Warrens come to be charity land, though as for the stables, Mr Lammeter never uses em. They're all out of character, Lord bless you. If you was to set the doors a banging in em, it'd sound like thunder o'er half the parish. Aye, but there's more going on in the stables than what folks see by daylight, eh, Mr Macy? said the landlord. "'Aye, aye, go that way of a dark night, that's all,' said Mr. Macy, winking mysteriously, "'and then make believe, if you like, as you didn't see the lights in the stables, nor hear the stamping of the hosses, nor the cracking of the whips, and howling, too, if it's toward daybreak. Cliff's Holiday has been the name of it ever since I were a boy. That's to say, some said as it was the holiday old Harry give him from roasting, like.' "'That's what my father told me, and he was a reasonable man, though there's folks nowadays know what happened afore they were born, better nor they know their own business.' "'What do you say to that, eh, Dowless?' said the landlord, turning to the farrier, who was swelling with impatience for his cue. "'There's a nut for you to crack.' Mr. Dowless was the negative spirit in the company, and was proud of his position." "'Say, I say what a man should say as doesn't shut his eyes to look at a finger-post. I say, as I'm ready to wager any man ten pound, if he'll stand out with me any dry night in the pasture before the warren stables, as we shall neither see lights nor hear noises if it isn't the blowing of our own noses. That's what I say, and I've said it many a time, but there's nobody'll venture a ten-pun note on their goses as they make so sure of.' Why, Dallas, that's easy betting. That is said, Ben Winthrop. You might as well bet a man as he wouldn't catch the rheumatiz if he stood up to his neck in the pool of a frosty night. It'd be fine fun for a man to win his bet as he'd catch the rheumatiz. Folks as believe in Cliff's holiday aren't a going to venture near it for a matter o' ten pound. If Master Dallas wants to know the truth on it, said Mister Macy with a sarcastic smile, tapping his thumbs together, he's no call to lay any bet. "'Let him go and stand by himself. "'There's nobody'll hinder him. "'Then he can let the parishioners know if they're wrong.' "'Thank you. I'm obliged to you,' said the farrier, with a snort of scorn. "'If folks are fools, it's no business o' mine. "'I don't want to make out the truth about ghosts. "'I know it already. "'But I'm not against a bet, everything fair and open. "'Let any man bet me ten pound, as I shall see Cliff's holiday, "'and I'll go and stand by myself. "'I want no company.' "'I'd as lief do it as I'd fill this pipe.' "'Aye, but who's to watch you, Dowless, and see you do it? "'That's no fair bet,' said the butcher. "'No fair bet,' replied Mr. Dowless, angrily. "'I should like to hear any man stand up and say I want to bet unfair. "'Come now, Master Lundy, I should like to hear you say it.' "'Very like you would,' said the butcher. "'But it's no business o' mine. "'You're none of my bargains, and I aren't a-goin to try and bait your price.' If anybody'll bid for you at your own valleying, let him I'm for peace and quietness. I am yes, that's what every yapping cur is when you hold a stick up at him, said the farrier, but I'm afraid of neither man nor ghost, and I'm ready to lay a fair bet. I ain't a turn- tail cur, ay, but there's this in it, doubtless said the landlord, speaking in a tone of much candour and tolerance. There's folks in my opinion, they can't see ghosts. "'not if they stood as plain as a pike-staff before em. "'And there's reason in that, for there's my wife now, can't smell, "'not if she'd the strongest o' cheese under her nose. "'I never seed a ghost myself, but then I says to myself, "'very like I haven't got the smell for em. "'I mean, putting a ghost for a smell, or else contrariways, "'And so I'm for holding with both sides, for, as I say, the truth lies between em.' "'And if Dowless was to go and stand, and say he'd never seen a wink o Cliff's Holiday all the night through, I'd back him. "'And if anybody said as Cliff's Holiday was certain sure for all that, I'd back him too, for the smell's what I go by.' "'The landlord's analogical argument was not well received by the farrier, a man intensely opposed to compromise.' Hut, he said, setting down his glass with refreshed irritation. "'What's the smell got to do with it? "'Did ever a ghost give a man a black eye? "'That's what I should like to know. "'If ghosts want me to believe in em, "'let em leave off skulking in the dark and in lone places. "'Let em come where there's company and candles.' "'As if ghosts'd want to be believed in by anybody so ignorant,' "'said Mr. Macy, in deep disgust at the farrier's crass incompetence "'to apprehend the conditions of ghostly phenomena.' End of chapter 6